0: Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm your host, Nathan Staples, and joining me this week are Eric Devin and Philip Bargill. Unlike some of the players, we don't get any time off for the international break, and Les Bleus will be determined to bounce back from the Euro 2016 heartbreak. Did they impress? Did they find the formula can oh sorry, can they find the formula to succeed? And how did the transfer window end in League 1? All of this and more after this week's headlines. France won a friendly this midweek on Thursday against Italy 3-1 thanks to goals from Anthony Martial, Olivier Giroud and Levan Kozawa. A reply just after the first goal from Graziano Pella pegged back the visitors, but they went out with a comfortable victory. They will now face their qualifier on Tuesday against uh, just a moment while it pops up on my screen. Belarus. Belarus, Belarus yes, that's it. Yeah, it, was, it took a moment for me to think that one. Um, the France under-21s under, 90, under 21s were also in action this midweek, but they lost 1-0 in the last minute to Ukraine, which leaves them in third position of their group. They faced Iceland on Tuesday, needing a victory to really challenge for that top spot. In transfer deadline news, uh, David Luiz Left Paris Saint-Germain on transfer deadline day to rejoin Chelsea for a reported 32 million pounds, and the biggest news coming in to Liga was the it was the um, entrance of mercurial Italian international Mario Balotelli joining Nice, hopefully to get that magic touch that Hatem Ben Arthur found last season. And that's all for the very brief news this week. But remember to keep up to date with everything to do with French football head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFM. We start this week by taking a look back at France's 3-1 win over Italy in Bari on Thursday evening. It was a strong showing from a relatively new look, Les Bleus, after their loss in the European Championship final. But, Philip, how do you think that the team fared in this one?
1: Yeah, it was interesting to see... Um, how, how they should actually listen to, to our podcast uh, so it means we are extremely successful as uh, he started the uh, GBCD bit at uh, right back he put uh, he started Cruz Hours so everyone didn't get to play Lois was injured so Mandanda had to start in goal I personally thought that he could have done a bit better on uh, Italy's, uh, Italy's goal and he had the, the midfield three of Pogba County and Matridi who I'm felt I, I I didn't I don't recognize of the problems we played particularly particularly well. Um, it was yeah uh, the, the players it was a uh, friendly. Um, let's uh, you know let's let's be honest was with, was with and uh, motivation was never going to be as big as for an official game. Um, but uh, I would say half the side played uh, played quite uh, quite decently. Ivan Kostanyi were quite uh, were quite good at the back. Giroud was uh, instrumental in his uh, in his goal. It was nice to see Martial score his first goal for for France. His confidence needed that. Um, uh, I'm sure you could uh, Nathan tell us a, a bit more about his uh, Manchester United uh, his beginning of the season for Manchester United. Uh, haven't really haven't really followed. Um, so it was, um, it was quite uh, interesting to, to, to see all that together for a game against a side that did have a very good year. It was one of the rare, rare uh, big sides to have a. Uh, to have a good uh, European Championships. they lost Germany on penalties in the quarterfinals. So that was—it's uh, always uh, some kind of a toss coin. Um, but I felt, uh, if we're going to—if I can say just a couple of words on Italy, that uh, you can—you can feel that uh, Conte is an absolutely brilliant manager. Yes, they did have quite a bit of uh, players uh, out for this one but uh god you, you look at their starting level and it just doesn't strike fear in you does it um it's uh, they've still got the um probably the best goalkeeper in the world until he until he dies until he dies um Gianluigi Buffon but apart from that you don't really see such uh, attacking sweat from this uh, from this outfit it's um yeah and second half was uh, was not was not exciting um, but because um, rounded out rounded off um, a great um, a great performance a great start to the season for him miles a much for me and probably miles much in every game he's been um, or probably not a month ago um, since the start of the season so it was uh, yeah it was okay it was a good uh, it was a nice uh, nice run around uh, before Belarus tomorrow
0: Eric, let's talk about those fullback positions because they were an issue and a concern during the European Championships. And we were saying that someone like Dribil sorry, and uh, Levin Kozawa might be those heir-apparents. How do you think they fared and do you think that they really should be the established starters from now on?
2: Uh, I would personally lean towards Korshut right back. Uh, It remains to be seen who will get the start tomorrow. Uh, I thought CDB worked hard, but really didn't offer as much going forward as, as he potentially can. I think that uh, Korsha, in the matches I've seen for him at Lille uh, this season, has looked really good going forward, and I think would offer a bit more than CDB. Uh, he did a pretty good job defensively. Uh, uh, Disilio De was not really a factor, especially when compared to Kondreva on the other on the other side. Uh, so he did well to limit him defensively, but could uh, could have offered a little bit more going forward. Um, on the other side, yeah, Kurzawa was great. He wasn't in his best defensively. I mean, Kendrava got in quite a few crosses, uh, but uh, I think that we saw Barzali removed at halftime. I think that, that Kurzawa's forays forward were a big part of that. I think that, uh, yeah, Kurzawa definitely has to be looking at it being the unquestioned starter at left back, especially with Aver not being selected. Uh, again, right back, I, I think there's there's still going to be some, uh, some decisions to be made on the part of Didier Deschamps, uh, you know, depending on the, the opponent, whether he opts for Bay or Gorcia in a given match, uh, I still think Christophe Jallet might have a, a part to play, depending on how he, how his form for Lyon is uh, when he returns from injury. Uh, you know, whether he can displace Rafael as a starter at Lyon is a, is another is another question. I personally think he should be starting when fit, uh, given Raphael's, uh, you know, worries defensively. Uh, I think Jallet is a better two-way player, but. Um, so some intriguing choices to be made. But, yeah, Krizao, I think I agree with Philip of the match. Uh, I will say I was really disappointed with Varane, though. I, I, I Philip, you mentioned he, he thought he had a good match. I was pretty disappointed with the way he was turned for the goal. Uh, he was lucky enough to give away a penalty. You know, I don't really – I can see why he's not starting at Real Madrid. And I kind of have to question, you know, whether – you know, he, MTT T. shouldn't be starting along. because Shelly is the first choice. It seems that Deschamps has a, a clear proclivity for starting Varane, but I don't think he's shown enough to deserve that. And certainly not to wear the captain's armband. I think that was just a really a bizarre decision.
1: M. T. Yeah. Really got a big fat swingly keep, and um, not not quite sure if it's uh, if it's deserved or not. But um, yeah, it is. Um, it is uh, quite uh, quite telling of how. Uh, uh, how bad he's uh, been downgraded since for a couple of months. But he's definitely been the scapegoat by the uh, keep. And Varane was actually left alone, to be honest. Well, Not...
0: let's, yeah. let, let's talk about Matuidi a little bit, Philip, because he's had, let's say, an indifferent start to the season. He's barely played, really. And he's he's gone in this French side, and he didn't have the best of games, as mm. <laughs> Le probably have pointed out. Mm. Is his place in the side under threat now? With the you know, the form of Moussa Sissoko in the in the European Championships and him now at Tottenham as well, Is he got to look over his shoulder a little bit?
1: Well, you would hope um, you would hope that he would be um, maybe uh, replaced by someone uh, up and coming and uh, you know very very good. Um, I think I think he's uh, not as good as he used to be, but he's still better than uh, anybody else we we have. Uh, if he performs to his uh, to his level, I think he still has he still went into this uh, kind of uh, range of uh, very uh, very good players of some kind of players who can play in the Champions League, which to me is not Sissoko and is not Kabay. Um I can um, maybe you can uh, think of other other names, but uh, right now I'd still put him on on the pitch. Um, but he will he will come probably come as a scapegoat for being um, not very flexible in terms of systems, as you rightly pointed out, Eric, last week, where he uh, he's very good at in a four-three-three three with three midfielders playing right next to each other. He's on the left, so he's he's uh, helping the right back. But maybe you know maybe he can he can uh, develop some kind of. Um, a uh, very good relationship with Kuzawa, and, and and can play um, with him in uh, on that left hand side, a bit like when uh, Zidane and Lizarazu were playing um, 20, 20 years ago, and uh, that could uh, that could work quite well. But uh, yeah, he definitely needs. First of all, he needed to sort out what uh, he was going to do this season, and he starts saying, "Okay, I'm disappointed not to have left, but I'm very happy to stay," which uh, really does sound like uh, well. Uh, I wanted to leave, but I can't really say that, otherwise uh, I'm going to get killed by the media. So uh, that's uh, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a shame, and I think his head was uh, was a bit elsewhere, to be honest, uh, this uh, this summer. But now I I reckon he will stay the full season with PSG, and that this may be um, uh, good for him psychologically. But uh, you know, if he does leave next season. His, uh, yeah, his place in the starting lineup in Russia is uh, definitely under threat. Can we, uh, um, can, can, can we um, sort, sort out some kind of debate I had with my friends? Is France in any danger of not finishing top at that rather mediocre group? It's a good question, isn't it? Um, well, I have very little doubt. I can't... Probably not a 10 in 10, you know what I mean, but, you know... It's... It's, it's unlikely. I, I can't see
0: the teams in their group really being any better than them. Um, when you start looking over who they've got in their group, I mean, Sweden, uh, they are okay, but they've not got Ibrahimovic anymore, who's in a massive X-factor. Mm-hmm. Netherlands aren't the side they are. They're bringing a lot of young players through. I mean, they started, um, at, and they're friendly, they started, um, I, his name escapes me, but he's, he's at Feyenoord and he's on loan from Watford um peter's mentioned him before he's a he's a talented footballer but he's played about two games three games this season and he scored his first goal at the weekend and they're starting him um so i'm a little worried about where they are exactly um and then realistically the other three teams uh bulgaria belarus and, and luxembourg aren't quite in that same bracket so while it might it might not be plain sailing i don't know what you think eric but i, I I can't see a real stern challenger to France's title unless Netherlands get their act together.
2: Yeah, I would, I would have to agree on that. It's, but I mean, you know, the Netherlands, you know, there are talented players on that team, and you know, if they can, if, if Danny Blink can get this team together, it's not, it's not impossible. I, I think, I think France should be the firm favourites, but. Uh, you know, the, with the emergence of Virgil Van Dyke last year at Southampton, I think that you know Netherlands are going to have an improved defense, and you know, Kevin Strootman's coming back. There's, it could happen, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stake money on it. Yeah, because it's, it's
0: strange because I, I saw Danny Blind's side and he, he didn't start Van Dyke at, at the friendly, and he's not played often. And players like David klassen who looks very, very good for Ajax, and he's not playing at all. So it's. This is such a strange team at the moment. I don't know where they're ending up.
1: But um, to hope- me, they, they really seem miles and miles behind what they, what uh, the likes of Schneider, Van Der Waart Van Percy, uh, if we're going to go back in time, uh, Burkamp, Overmaster, De Boers, and stuff could, could actually do. And I, I think this is some kind of um, era. Whereas the Dutch players are going to have to get used to the fact that their used products are not as good as what their uh, former uh, world-class players um, was able to were able to deliver, i.e., a World Cup final, um, also place at the last World Cup, and uh, I think I think you can you can use this with their neighbours, which is which is Belgium where they they made uh, they hosted Euro 2000, they were quite poor in it, then they went to uh, Brazil, South Korea, and then 12 years without a single tournament. And it's not a bad football country. I mean, football is quite big in Belgium. It's, I reckon it's a bit bigger in Holland, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Holland wouldn't qualify for a couple of tournaments, even though I do reckon they'll finish second.
0: Mm. It's, it's, Which so does it's, not
1: mean they're going to qualify, but, you know. Yeah it's always in
0: flux isn't it in european football but let's focus back on le blue eric and, and their attacking options because they really came to the fore in this game and the likes of anthony marshall and 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 griezmann were given the start and then the likes of young Usman dembélé impressed us came on they're just so deep at those front positions aren't they it's scary
2: yeah but i, I that's true but i i do think that it France didn't really seem to know what they were doing in attack for me. You know, it was mm-hmm. not only a 4-3-3, but at times it looked like a, a 4-4-2 diamond with with Griezmann behind Giroud and Martial uh, playing a little bit more centrally. So I, I think there was a little bit of confusion in terms of sharing the pitch, in terms of space, but absolutely. I mean, you know, again, Coman – or sorry, not Coman. Coman still to come back, uh, Dembele, you know, big occasion for the young player, but, you know – Tried some things, didn't necessarily come off, but you know, let him grow into it. Let him get more confidence playing with Dortmund, uh, more confidence playing with this team, uh, and not to you know, not to mention the likes of Tolisso and Rabio are still to come back and mid, are still possibilities to come into the squad at midfield as well. Um, there's you know, there's a lot. Lacazette, Fakir, if he can, if he can recover from his injury, uh, there's really a wealth of depth and talent in this in this team in the attacking third, and I think that. I think that Deschamps just needs to, you know, continue to work and figure out the right tactical situation. I mean, the ad- adapt- adaptation he made in Euro in Euro 2016 uh, really was the difference in terms of France moving up a gear. Uh, but he seems to once again be struggling with how to how to get the best out of these players in terms of a tactical system. So
1: Can let's go. Start... Uh, um, I have a question regarding Ever. Uh, I I noticed that Schweinsteiger had his testimonial. In a friendly last week, I think it was on Wednesday. Is it time forever to do the same? I mean, I frankly, I think he should have said, "I'm going to retire." Uh, maybe before the final, he would have said, "This is going to be my last game for France. After that, I'm gone. I'm done." Uh, to to me, to me, Kuzow has to start now. He has to to make that left back spot his own. Um, is it really that, um, is it? Is it? That, uh, I think the time is right for him to to retire. What it's do you guys a, think? It's a tough one, isn't it? Um, well, I don't I, think so.
0: <laughs> I, well, it, I'm, I'm meaning more in the sense of, maybe not on the pitch, but off the pitch, certainly. Um, the, the amount of praise he gets from ex-players and, and current players for his attitude and his leadership skills, is, and especially in such a young team with those forward players. I mean, I've, I've seen uh, Paul Pogba talk quite a bit about him um, now he's back at Manchester United and his appreciation for Ever and how he um, follows his leadership is probably goes a little bit miss. although he obviously had that big spat a couple of years ago but that clearly has yeah. an effect on the team and his leadership skills even if he's not on the pitch even if he's just used as a backup as long as he's willing to go it's difficult it's difficult to replace I mean what what do you think Eric do you think it <laughs> Is this the time for Dean to be that that second right back challenging Kozawa, or would you keep Ever within that in the within that squad?
2: Uh I yeah, I, I think I would opt for, for Ever as a backup over Dean, just because just because of the fact that Ever is still an important player for Juventus. He's still, you know, he showed at the tournament. He's still a capable presence. Uh, you know, Krizawa should have every opportunity to start, but. If Dean's only playing a handful of matches for Barcelona, I'd rather have someone that's that's match fit and is, and is getting consistent minutes and in, in big matches, and that seems to be ever at this point in time. Hmm. Uh, we'll move on to a final question from
0: this bit, uh, Philip, and and that's because obviously the game tomorrow night is the important one. What are we expecting? Are we are we hoping that that France simply go out for the win, or do they need to try and find this formation that will start being a success heading into? For further qualifiers and hopefully to Russia in twenty
1: eighteen. Mm, oh yeah, that's uh, that is a that is a good question. There's been a poll I think um, uh, in in the media saying that uh, the the French people actually preferred fans to play four two three one, which actually did work better at, uh, at Euro two thousand sixteen when we had uh, Griezmann in the hole. Um, and I think it's a bit, uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure if uh, it's the it's right uh, thing to do against a sign like Belarus. I think against Belarus, uh, uh, we can play uh, 4-3-3 and uh, uh, nick a goal uh, probably around the 60-minute 60, the 60 mark. So I don't think this one's going to take uh, any particular risk um, in, uh, in that one. Um, maybe play, maybe play a more dynamic uh, formation or change formations during the game uh, against a side like uh, Holland. I would, uh, I would think. Eric, but do you I think? Would, yeah. I, I, yeah, I reckon, I, I reckon we're going to start four-three-three.
0: Eric, do you think they need to show a bit more dynamism against Belarus, where they can, they can really make a little bit of a statement?
2: Yeah, personally, I, I, I would play a diamond myself. I put Pae behind uh, Giroud and Griezmann. And and in midfield I would go with uh, probably Conte, Sissoko and well, I yes oh and, and Pogba, yeah. yeah. I am sorry. <laughs> I was gonna <laughs> yeah, say for a moment. <laughs> sorry, but you no, know, I, I would offer a diamond. I, I think I think Pia's creativity was sorely missed in the opening stages of the match. Uh, I think that playing him as a number ten, even though he's he himself says it's not his best position. He he said that day, back to his days playing it in Marseille. He still does a fantastic job with that and then puts everybody uh, on the pitch in their best position. Um, you know, and, and I think it just rings the m- most out of the team. You can't afford not to have Griezmann Central. You can't afford not to have Pae on the pitch, uh, especially if Belarus are going to set up to play defensively.
0: Yeah, and, and we hope them are the best. And, and just to add, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Philip, you weren't sure how Paul Pogba had done for Manchester United. He's, he's he's done all right, I think. i I'll quietly say he's done, he's done nicely. Like, I was, what was talking about Martial. Oh oh, oh he's, he's eh, a little bit not, less. Not but it's, yeah it's it's good to see him it's good to see him score that should give him a bit of confidence but we'll move on to <laughs> uh, to, to this so the week. the less said the better. Yeah. yeah at the moment he'll he'll grow into like it. it it's all right don't worry. <laughs> this week has also been the end of the transfer window obviously and what a crazy period we saw really. Um spending across Europe has been pretty mental especially in England and plenty of that talent flowed through Liga with especially a lot of people in those departure lounges so let's look at some of those moves especially to those in england and what people can expect from uh league on stars uh, we shall start with the surprise move on deadline day philip and that was david louise's return to chelsea uh, how much has he changed in the last few years for the chelsea fans to to understand how he's progressed
1: mm, oh i'm not sure if he has progressed um he stays yeah he stays quite the same to me he he's um he's quite a he stays as the same passionate defender that we all see him to be um, but uh, he uh, he sometimes really see, seem like he just doesn't care at all what is happening on the pitch he was apparently uh, at uh, at monaco and uh, personally it would be a quite uh, uh, it, it is it is quite uh, quite good to, to see him uh, to see him leave and and, uh, and hopefully have Marquinhos or so kimpembe have um, uh, have a chance to start next to Thiago Silva, which uh, probably should have happened years uh, earlier. But to me, yeah, David Luiz is still uh, quite a bit of a liability as a centre-back, but, but quite good as a defence shielder. So that hasn't really changed. I mean, uh, I remember back when uh, 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 PSG bought bought him from uh, bought, them, uh, bought David Luiz, sorry, from from Chelsea. It was basically the same thing. He's, uh, you know, he can be he can he can be a match winner. He can he can be a big game player, that's for sure. But uh, you know, there will be most most weekends will be uh, just don't care if we if mm. if we score uh, if we concede uh, uh, one goal or two goals against uh, the likes of uh, Stoke City or Watford. No offence. Um, if they're five nil up, doesn't really matter. So you know, some concentration lapse, but you know, nobody nobody's going to nobody's going to blame him for that if you're five nil up.
0: Yeah, and Eric, it was an interesting move because he's, he obviously started the first couple of games of the season, but with Thiago Silva and Marquinhos to come back, there was no guarantee that he was going to going to start for PSG, and they got plenty of money for him. Does this Is this a bit of a bemusing move from Chelsea?
2: Yeah, I think that this, this is, frankly, grasping at straws for for the Blues. I think that Conte has built his reputation, uh, both at Juventus and with the Italian national team, uh around having very, very solid center backs. I mean, maybe in the likes of, you know, Barzali, they're not the quickest, but they're very positionally sound and very physically adept. And, you know, Luis has none of that. And I I just don't... I really struggle to see what role he's going to fill in this team. I mean, you know, it's it's honestly mind-boggling from a Chelsea perspective to spend that amount of money on a player uh, when I think other more capable center backs... Are, are more available, especially, especially given Luis's age, I believe he he's he be 30 next year, I believe. Uh, you know, he's not exactly one for the future. I mean, he's not, you know, a center back. You'd expect him to have a good, another four or five seasons at the top of his game. But I mean, but what is the top of this game? I mean, we saw him against Monaco uh, making a hash of things. We we've seen him, him fail at the biggest stages before. Uh, particularly in the World Cup in 2014. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense from a Chelsea perspective to bring in a player. Um, I mean, yes, they needed a center back, but I, thinking about the other options that were out there, it's, uh, it's a little hard, hard to conceive of this. I mean, you look at, for example, uh, Mehdi Benaccia going to Juventus. You know, if he's a spare part at Bayern Munich, why aren't Chelsea in for someone of, of more proven quality that's adept at that position? Perhaps if Conte sees him as is being able to be deployed in defensive midfield as well, there's something to be said for that. I do think Luis is a better defensive midfielder than he is a centre back, but yeah. it's just a really baffling move from a Chelsea perspective.
1: Yeah. I, I just I just wish that this, he, he's not going to play over the likes of uh, Gary Cahill or Kurt Zuma, who are actually a decent centre halves and up and coming players. Well, especially Zuma. I, I mean, we know what David Luis is. Um, and uh, it would be a real shame to have uh, to have, uh, say, David Luiz um, centre-back, centre-back pairing with John Terry and have uh, a zoom a zoom on the bench. I mean, I would really, I would really uh, uh, be quite disappointed if Kante did, uh, did that, which yeah. I don't think he will. Yeah, that I think the move signaled
0: that he's probably thinking about trying to employ his three-five-two that he did at Ju- Juventus a little bit more often. Well, maybe, but, Chelsea, is he,
1: but is he is he actually uh, a three-five-two manager?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it yeah, was pretty common with Italy played pretty much that formation as well. So he would definitely play if he can. I think he will definitely play
1: that. Mm, I remember asking a question to a Juventus fan. And I think he. I think he did. He did say at the start he he started with four, but I think he. Uh, I mean, he is tactically quite tactically astute. astute so, I reckon he, he he will play the best formation he sees fit.
0: Yeah, he can switch on a whim a little bit, can not he? But uh,
1: mm. a, a bit, a little bit more of an
0: exciting move now. Uh, and Southampton bought uh, Leo Sofian Boufal, who obviously will miss the first couple of weeks because he's he's still out injured for Bundy. Mm. But he's a, he's an exciting player that that could really light up at St Mary's, couldn't he?
1: Yeah, and I've been um, posting on the forum about um, with uh, with Southampton fans, and they seem extremely uh, distraught by their summer. First of all, losing their manager. Puel is not a- actually uh, a fan favourite, uh, even though it's very very early days, and uh, so obviously uh, me being uh, the uh, the league of fanboys that I am, uh, me telling them how how awesome, uh, Southampton Buffal is, uh, how ridiculously. Uh, Good and technically gifted he is, um, and uh, yeah, I think it's, um, it's 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 a bit for, honestly from our perspective it's a bit frustrating because uh, such a talent to go to a mid-table Premiership side is a bit of a waste. I mean, um, Southampton. I don't think Southampton will have a will have a a season like West Ham had. Uh, so probably going to West Ham. West Ham are a big club, but uh, come on, you have a talent like Buffon. You, you'd expect—I mean, I would have expected Piaget to buy to buy him, but they went for Ben Arfa. So, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's great for Southampton, but uh, when you look at the quality of the players, I don't think they really realise uh, what what they got. I mean, uh, when he's fit, he is he he is potentially a very very uh, good player who can unlock. Um, as uh, a defences, because it's basically if you can unlock the defences in Liga, you you, know, you have a better shot of doing that in the Premiership.
0: Yeah, and and it's a, he's a really talented player, isn't he, Eric? But but let's let's talk about whether this is the right move for him. Is is Southampton the right club for him right now?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that you know it remains to be seen how he's going to fit into things tactically. Uh, Clappwell started with a four three one two. That's more to accommodate the glut of central mm. midfielders he has. He's got Steven Davis, James Ward-Prowse, Jordi Classy, Oyo Romeo, uh, Pierre-Mil Uh There's just a lot of central midfielders. But I'd like to see Southampton play a 4-3-3 with Usain Tadic on the left, mm. uh, Bufal on the right, and uh, Nathan Redmond as a striker. Uh, you might say, okay, that's not a central, a, that doesn't have a recognized central striker, but we've seen that both Tadic <laughs> and Bufal can score enough goals. Uh, Redmond uh, with his pace can pull the defense about Uh, and I think that that would be a really effective group going forward and uh, it would really bring the best out of out of all three of those attacking players and would make Southampton a a bit more of an attractive prospect going forward we've known them to be solid defensively and I don't expect that to change uh, based on the players they have in their squad and I think that you know with European football and the chance to stretch his legs and express himself in a system that won't force him to have the uh, defensive duties that he might in, in, a, in a different system, uh, that things are very well set up for Bufala at Southampton. Uh, they, they are a club that, you know, is perhaps dealing with lessened expectations given the window that they've had, losing the likes of Wanyama, Pele, Mane. Uh, and I think there's a, a real opportunity for him to stake his claim as, as being an important and impressive attacking player uh, in the Premier League. Yeah, I, think I actually
1: that's... reckon that Puel should not, should actually ditch his four-three-one-two. I reckon he uh, not that Ben Alpha made a four-three-one-two a successful thing at uh, at Nice, but uh, I'm not quite sure he has a personnel to do that uh, at Southampton. And I think I think you need a really talented um, uh, number ten so behind the two strikers. So is that one in the four-three-one-two um, to um, to make it successful? And I'm not just not quite sure that sounds sometimes this mobile uh, side that can can, uh, can make it work but you know, yeah that's me
0: and it, and it's interesting the B- but signing obviously means they could play four three three they can move to four two three one as well with Tadic possibly behind someone like Shane long or or Charlie Austin and move Nathan Redmond out wide I think it's a it's an interesting move and, and I think it's a good place for him to to grow in and and possibly get that next move maybe in a couple of summers when he's when he's really started to develop into a into a really good footballer, which he's not far off already. Um one of the more surprising moves again was from Sunderland, who signed Didier Ndong from Lorient for 20 million pounds. He's 20 million euros, apologies, which is about two million euros more than Usman Dembele, if you can believe that. But Eric. Ignoring that comparison, because it's a little unfair on the uh, on the central midfielder, what what do you think are his qualities and what will he bring to, to the stadium of light? Uh,
2: you know, I, I understand why Sunderland made this move. Uh, they weren't able to sign uh, Jan Mbela permanently and they needed to have someone in defensive midfield. But uh, I have to question whether Ndong is the same type of player that would offer that amount of quality. For that amount of money, uh, N'Dong is combative. He's active. He's physical. Uh, he's going to give his all. But you know, I I worry a little bit about his physical size. I worry about his uh, his propensity for for bookings. Uh, and you know, we saw him with that rash challenge against Basti the other weekend for Lorient. I just I, I don't know, you know, whether or not this is. This is the best move. I mean, there. I think there are other, more, more, aco- more accomplished and more uh, physically—sorry, not physically—more uh, proactively creative players that that could offer more uh, in that in that position. And I think well done to Lorient for 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 doing the business. That's that's going to help him quite a bit. Uh, but is he going to be what Sunderland need? I really. I really am not very optimistic about this move uh, in terms of him being an important part of Sunderland's midfield. We've already looked at the likes of um, uh, Lee Cattermole and other players who have a, a, shall we say, a propensity for uh, picking up cards, but it's, it's a little bit frustrating.
1: Maybe he can become what Joey Barton was here. (laughs) Being a, yeah. Quite I hope, physical. I hope he doesn't have that Geordie accent. That might be a bit worrying. Um, is it a case? Is it? Is this a case of David Morris buying uh, Lorient players because uh, because Kearney works so well at Sunderland? I'm just wondering. But no, I mean he did. He did. He did need a midfield and uh, I'm I'm quite sceptical as well. It, it is an unusual at this time, I think, as
0: well. And Dong maybe needed another season in Liga for me to really sort of grow into as a footballer but uh, so another player who probably needed another season although he's done a little bit more George Kevin and Kudo, his his transfer to Tottenham was eventually sorted out put, uh, just yeah. before deadline day philip um, what's he going to bring to tottenham although we, 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 he might not quite get the game time we hoped for
1: oh well, i think he no i think he gets um, i think he'll get his chance um well, he need. It, well, he he will need to take it, but uh, he's uh, he's basically this uh, this uh, white-footed left wing who comes inside. either has a decent cross and indecent pass. Uh, plays between the lines or ha- have a go from distance. I mean, he is a good player. He is a good player. I just hope that uh, it doesn't uh, turn out to be like uh, well, Clinton Ng, who he is replacing. So he is replacing someone who sits on the bench. I mean, he is a better player than Clinton Ng. Um, but uh, I just, I just hope, uh, I just hope he'll get his, uh, he'll get his chance. But I, 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 haven't seen. I think I've seen Tottenham just once this season. It was against Liverpool, and I haven't looked particularly inspired. So I think uh, Pochettino could use uh, someone with uh, that level of creativity.
0: Eric, Philip's uh, already mentioned it, that the, there will be inevitable comparisons with another Ligue 1 star that Tottenham bought in Clinton and G, who's returned to France with Marseille on loan, which is an exciting prospect. But um, is he going to get the game time? I mean, even a player like Hugh Min Son is, is struggling to break into the first team on a, on a regular basis.
2: I mean, that's exactly what came to mind. I mean, Humane Son was fantastic for Barley Everkusen for a number of years. Yeah. He's a proven international with South Korea. Uh, you know, he was one of the best players in the Bundesliga when he was there. And now, because of the way Pochettino uh, chooses to operate in this team, Christian Eriksen is also no- nominally used on the left left wing, even though he's uh, even though he's a more creative player. Um, so you've, you're probably looking at at least two players that are, are ahead of Nkudu unless you want to play him as, you know, part of, unless you want to play him in a different system. I mean, i mean, I, I given some credence to the suggestion that Nkudu could play as as a false nine, like a, a Theo Walcott-style player. Uh, Walcott has been effective there. And again, that's Arsenal, not Spurs. But uh, as, a, as a pacey uh, direct striker uh, who, can, who can profit from balls in over the top against a slower defense. But, you know, again, Spurs are in the Champions League, not the – uh, not the Europa League this year, so their focus uh, from week to week and the priority that they're going to have to put on certain on different matches in rapid succession, uh, I think, is only going to exacerbate this this lack of playing time for players who aren't in Pochettino's first choice eleven. And that's in kudu. I I think maybe if they want the player, they view him as one one for the future, maybe a buy back, uh, a a purchase and loan back agreement, something something along those lines. Ah uh, but, yeah, I, I think this is a move that's gonna stall Nkuru's career uh, for the time being. He's only twenty one. Um, he's li- he's a little bit younger than ng who, I think is twenty three at this point or maybe twenty four. Uh, and but yeah, it's 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 a frustrating move. I, I think from Enkuludu's perspective, he's being wooed by salary and not by the chance to develop his play. i I, I thought he was fantastic two years ago at not. I thought that the step up to Marseille seemed like the right one. he and he progressed. Uh, fairly well but I don't see space for him in the Spurs team in, in the biggest matches NG's just turned 23
0: I've just spotted that so at least he's got s- some time to recover from that fairly odd season at, at White Hart Lane where he barely saw the pitch but a seasoned international that should definitely see the pitch now at least is, is Stev Mondondo who's joined Crystal Palace
1: Philip what what a good keeper Palace are getting really <laughs> yeah see this is exactly like Buffal uh... Mandanda Palace, really. He was at uh, the uh, the biggest club in France, and uh, now is probably uh, one of uh, probably not the smallest London club in the Premiership, but uh, not uh, not far off. Um, and uh, th- actually, the club doesn't seem to be very well uh, run um, now that Alan Pardieu is um, uh, has uh, from, from what I hear, pissed everybody off. Um, and he's not even he's not even one hundred percent starter. So it really is a shame. When you, you, I was talking to this with with a Marseille fan, and he said, you know, people are going to bend over backwards to sign him. He's free. He didn't cost a dime, and he went to Crystal Palace. It's a bit, you know, I mean. Uh, Yes, he's not as good as uh, De Gea or Courtois, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, uh, Manchester City. If, if Guardiola made his intentions about uh, Joe Hart not being compatible with his style of uh, pressing pressing play, and that's coming from the, from the goalkeeper to the centre forward, uh, I mean, I w- I probably would have taken Mandanda over uh, whoever they got. I mean, it's it, again, it's a bit, it's, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit disappointing to see. Uh, that uh, so uh, quality League 1 players are going to quite unfancied Premiership sides, but he he is I mean he he is uh, extremely extremely good. Again, I don't think I think he should have done better on Italy's goal on uh, on Thursday evening. A lot of uh, of experts said that he he couldn't do anything, couldn't move. You know, it went between the legs of Van. But you know, so what? I mean, uh, Still have a have a dive or something, but uh, no, he's still he's he's extremely extremely he's an extremely gifted goalkeeper. Yeah, and Eric, uh, again, no offense to Palace fans, but you know, I just uh, you know, what can yeah. I say They're rich. <laughs> that's the
0: Premier League full stop at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. But uh, Eric, it does, it does seem unusual in a sense that he's gone to a team like Palace when. I know Liverpool bought Loris Karius, but he, he would have been an interesting option there. And, and there's a number of clubs. Everton were looking for a goalkeeper and they've gone for Martin Stecklenburg. Surely surely more clubs were interested in such a seasoned international who played uh, still playing at such a high level last season.
2: Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of factors. I mean, honestly, the lure of London is something that we've seen attract a lot of players, perhaps away from competitive or, or wage situations. You know, money being... Uh, more, more immaterial, as it were, in the, in the Premier League that all teams can offer a, a very, I'm sure, a very high salary raise to Amandanda. Maybe he also feels a, you know, that he's got a better chance to be the number one. I mean, Wayne Hennessy, you know, at, at the time being is is here, but he certainly had a Julian Speroni, and perhaps he feels as the season wears on that he can make himself a, f- a fully established number one. I mean, there's, and I think, I think that's probably what he's looking at, you know. If you go to Liverpool, if you go to Everton, um, there's probably going to be a higher level of competition based on those clubs' aims for the season. I mean, I know Palace has spent quite a bit of money this this summer, especially on the likes of uh, Ben but and Andros Townsend. But uh, I, I think that he see, he sees a a way forward in terms of uh, becoming a, an important player for this team. He he started at the weekend against or last weekend against uh, uh, Bournemouth, and and. And did all right, so it's you know he he sees himself as uh, having having a chance of establishing himself as a number one at a pr- Premier League club and having a good six or seven years there. Let's do let's
0: do some rapid fire ones now, so we can try and get through some of this list because there is quite a few still names and there's a few dotted around Europe as well. So we'll go. To you first, Philippe, and brush Jj has failed to make Watford's Premier League squad, so he's not going to see. They're not going to see too much of him. But but what is the right back like for for the um, Hornets
1: fans? Um, he was uh, yeah, he can be extremely good if he's uh, well uh, well managed. He was uh, extremely well managed by uh, by Bielsa, and uh, when Marseille were, were top of the league at, in the first half of uh, not the se- season before last. Uh, he was exceptional. So if you give him his chance, he's very good. But uh, he's not even going to make the bench. <laughs> not going to make any squads. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, such. An don't, don't Palace have that kind of? Did did, did uh, not Palace do the same thing with uh, Florian Marange uh, two years ago? Yeah. I think, I think they did. They bought him and 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 then they announced a squad and uh, he wasn't even in it very unusual it doesn't make any sense it? well, it's Africa. starting to become usual you know yeah. the, all, the, all, the, all these clubs are buying French players but not really using it it's, uh, yeah you know, I feel a bit nice
0: no I feel sorry for JJJ hopefully hopefully he gets some game somewhere
1: um, or because not, it, you, you see the thing with Marange is that he did go back to uh, to France yeah, uh, a couple of months, months later because yeah. he said uh, you know what, what, what the hell what the hell just happened yeah that's hope that. So it's. I know same. I can judge it, or will do the same.
0: Um, Eric Napoli's and Monday. He's, he's got a tough job of of replacing Conte, but he's a he's a, he's a really solid player, isn't he?
2: Yeah, I, I think that he was perhaps one of the more unsung heroes. We we looked at the likes of Cosziello, Seri and Ben Arfa, and Player being Player and Germain being so important to to Nice last season. But uh, Monty was the player who kept that all together at the at the base of that at Diamond Four Four Two, and. Um, you know, we had seen huge offers being made for him last summer, uh, and, and and now he's being tempted to uh, a Leicester City team who are offering Champions League football, who are offering a higher wage packet. It it makes sense. I, I think he'll he'll. You know, is he going to be Golo Kante? No, but uh, you know, he's I think is capable of, uh, as a replacement uh, as Leicester Realists could have hoped for.
0: Uh- so let's keep this this fire ones and a couple for, from the championship, and they would have already seen him play a few times. But Bastia's former player Floyd Aite, Philip, he, he's a he's a nice, solid player, especially for that level of football.
1: Yeah, pacey you winger. Know, no, it's uh, yeah, he's uh, he's not uh, he's not going to uh, uh, probably not be going to be able to unlock uh, you know stern defenses, but uh, no, it's uh, he, he's uh, he's okay. He's uh, he's. Uh, but quite quite pacey, not not uh, not probably not as um, not doing the final third, but uh, quite uh, quite fast, which is yeah. probably why he's under wing.
0: Yeah, it's good to yeah. And Fulham have had a really good start to the season, and he's been a little bit of a part of that at least. And and two players, um, Eric, that have joined the new riches of Wolverhampton Wanderers, and that's Romain Seys from from Angers, and, and Ivan Caballero on loan from from Monaco. What can the uh, Wolves faithful expect from those two?
2: Yeah, Sais is great. I think he's he's a very high-energy player. He's uh, very disciplined in the tackle. He's uh, good at starting counterattacks. He was really key to uh, providing the protection for that back four that made Angers such a tough nut to crack last season, so well done, Wolves, in that count. Caviero, gosh, the way he started last season linking up with Curacao was fantastic. He looked like a, a brilliant signing on Monaco's part, but... Uh, as the season wore on hes he struggled to find match time he struggled with his fitness and you know he's still only 22 there's still a bit ahead of him I mean obviously he's very highly regarded by, by Benfica at their academy but I I'm not sure whether he's uh, at a level that he's gonna make a big impact for wolves so I'm, I'm a little bit less sure on that one but Saïs is a fantastic signing
0: yeah so let's go on the continent then and there's a couple more there very quickly so uh, Philip We've talked about him plenty enough, and Wissam Benyed have finally got his move to Severe. Um, what
1: can they expect from him? Um, I, I, no, I think he, he'll be uh, he'll be quite a hit. I'm not sure if uh, it'll be those those kinds of seasons where he just uh, bangs in uh, the goals. Uh, like I said, uh, it's uh, much uh, harder to score goals in Liga than it is in um, in England, and I reckon it's the same for La Liga. Um, and uh, I think has actually already started scoring, hasn't he? I yeah, think he he played, on his played one, played one, scored one, or something like that. Yeah, and it's good which to... is you know, which is promising. So I'm expecting something more of the same, something maybe like ten goals this season, bar, barring you know injuries. Another
0: man who's moved to La Liga, Eric, and you know him well, Samuel and Titi. What a Barcelona getting in the Frenchman.
2: Uh, I think he's someone who. Is going to have to have some work to do in terms of his his positioning in in a in La Liga that offers a lot more in terms of talent in, on the ball. But uh, he's wonderful with the ball at his feet. He's a good, he's an adept passer of the ball, which I think is going to fit in well with the Barcelona philosophy that we know so well. Uh, and I think he I think you know and again he's he's only twenty three, I believe, at this point. Uh, so still lots of time for him to improve and grow, especially as as center backs usually do reach maturity a little bit uh, later than other positions. So. Yeah, especially for the fee involved, I think, uh, well done uh, for Barcelona to sign him. And you know, as as the likes of uh, Javier Mascherano uh, age, out of the squ- age, age out of the squad, uh, I think he'll be uh, certainly you know an important part of Barcelona's first team for the next eight to ten years, with any luck. Yeah, Barcelona maybe. has
1: a history of uh, French players actually failing um, when they when they bought them. Uh, so uh, the the guys I'm um, I'm pointing out are. Uh, Christophe Dugarry and Christian Val. Uh, that's from you the, uh, me, I
2: mean, you, you can you can spin that two ways, Philip.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, no. Actually, he Thierry was. Henry. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. no. Uh, I'm, I'm, no. What, what, what I'm getting at is uh, that some some French uh, some French players have uh, have failed at at Barcelona, and I just really hope that Umtiti doesn't because if if he doesn't fail and if he adapts to that level of play, we've got uh, an absolutely fantastic centre back for the next ten years. Yeah, well, I just don't want uh, MTT to be another Cristiano. That's what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not hard to argue. And, yeah. and
0: he turns twenty three in November, so there's plenty of time for him to grow as a footballer. And finally, the two players from Legan that joined Dortmund this summer in, in Rafael Guerrero and Usman Dembele, Philip, they're getting some real talent, aren't they? Um, Thomas Tuchel's men.
1: Yeah, uh, lots of ta- uh, talent from the wings. We have no idea how good uh, Dembele can uh, can can be, but uh, I think everyone in Germany has a, uh, an, a, a, some kind of an idea of what uh, they mm-hmm. they've got uh, now that he's played a couple of games. And uh, Guerrero is um is quite um, is quite good on his, uh, on his left twi- left wing as well. He uh, I think it's um I'm not I'm not quite sure of the situation uh, oh, uh, over at, uh, the left back position at Dortmund, with Schmelzer getting a bit old, uh, Dorm, who I reckon should take that uh, left back spot, and you know, uh, Guerrero can play uh, also left back and left midfield, left wing, uh, so he doesn't have to be the next uh, Dortmund uh, left back for the next uh, for the next generation, but he, uh, you know, he he, he could. And he's, he's a great asset to, to to come from deep, so that could be could be quite good. But then again, he can play he can play very very much decently at left midfield and in both systems you know, with four at the back and three at the back. That's
0: good. Yeah, and it, it, if you've not seen it, there's a fantastic interview with uh, Mike's defender. It's in English as well. If you want to search it up with uh, Mike's defender, Leon Balogun talking about. Man Dembele, and he describes him as freaking amazing. So it's it's really good. He goes, this Dembele kid is unbelievable. I said it during the game to Aubameyang. Whoa, what kid did you buy there? I think that was exactly exactly what we were saying throughout the season last season. And it's great to see the optimism of him in Germany. But let's talk about those that have come into League Um. Very quickly this evening, and and there's there's a couple of juicy names in there, especially heading to Nice, and and Eric. The big one <laughs> is the mercurial talent, as we know and love, of Mario Balotelli. Um, he's hoping for that magic touch, like we mentioned earlier, that Haten Arthur had. Um, what what do you make of this move?
2: I think you know I don't know what Nice are paying for the wages, but given it, it is a free transfer, and given that Balotelli is still only 26, he'll be he'll be willing to prove himself and. You know, if if Lucien Favre can focus this 4 2, 3 one around him, I think that he's got a, a real chance to be someone who can score a dozen, 15 goals, make Nice uh, the, the force that they were last season pushing for European play, uh, particularly with Belanda coming in. Um, when I first heard the move announced for Balotelli, I'm like, oh, well, great. He'll come in and there's a bunch of kids who are, you know, f- fine – T- talents for the future, but I mean, if we really re- rely on the likes of Arno Lusamba and William Ciprian to give Balotelli service, I, they're both fine prospects. But is Balotelli going to get frustrated with this? Now you've got him with Yunus Balhanda, who's a proven league on talent, fantastic attacking player. Um, and I think that Nisa d- done really well, and if they can, you know, set this team up properly, you know, maybe play something something like a 4-2-3-1, Ah, uh, personnel to be determined. Of course, uh, getting Cazielo and Seri as well. Uh, I think there's a lot. There's a lot to be to be gained here. The one thing I would would worry about a little bit is uh, how it's going to affect the development of perhaps some of those younger players, the likes of Cosyello or perhaps on Playa, depending on on how uh, playing time sorted out for the for those youngsters. But I I think yeah, very w- very well done, Denise. Uh, Worst-case scenario, they're still going to have uh, the likes of Playa to be to be a central striker if Balotelli doesn't come off. But with a fixture congestion, they'll be they'll be faced with the Europa League. I think it's a a, a, a fine risk. Yeah, it's, a, it's a really interesting prospect to have someone like
0: Balotelli come into Liga and into a team like Nice, Philippe. I mean... We saw a couple of uh, back in the 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 a couple of euros ago that he's he can be such a wonderful talent and a, such a wonderful footballer when he wants to be and, and maybe this might be the right club that finally sets his head right. Can you do you think that might, if if we're lucky, happen at
1: the Alliance Riviera? Um, to, to be honest, the reaction here has been uh, that uh, the guy's a, a nut job, uh, but uh, also a genius, um, and that. Uh, this this is I'm I'm not sure if this is actually uh, on pitch or off pitch related. Uh, in that uh, it will it will drive it will uh, make publicity for the club uh, and um, something something like that. But uh, I yeah I I feel that most people realise that this uh, this is. Uh, probably 50 percent a marketing certain 50 percent you know the chance of seeing a, a world-class player perform in um, in very uh, in a very uh, a very high level but uh, nobody really expects him to do that I mean they expects him to uh, to, do, to be actually Balotelli to, to to do to do stupid things make us laugh and stuff like that I think this will happen but that of him being uh, having a great uh, having a great season not a lot of people are actually expecting that but uh, everyone is looking forward to it yeah, and this is absolutely 100, percent no doubt about
0: it. Last chance saloon for Mario Balotelli, really, in a, in European football, and he has to try and make the most of it. I I, I agree with you, Eric. I really like that move for Eunice Bellander. That might just be a nice little spark to to that Nice team that still looks quite interesting under 5 Let's talk about PSG, Philip, and the, and their transfer window. Obviously, they brought in a, a fair a fair few players, but we were while we were praising it quite considerably. Um, during moments of this podcast, he's not played Krakowiak yet. Munier's clearly a substitute player. Have they really done enough this window? Did they need to buy a striker?
1: Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, so uh, you talked about it at length. Uh, so analyzing the game, the Monaco PSG game, and uh, first of all, only have just one recognised number nine in the whole squad. Uh, one, ve- one good one. And uh, he's not even that good. Um, is a uh, is a great risk if you want to win the Champions League. And uh, what is uh, going to probably happen is that uh, PSG will have to uh, regress to make uh, to make Ligue 1 more exciting. Which is, you know, it's not especially a bad thing for um, people like us who follow Ligue 1 week after week after week. Um, but uh, the aim is still uh, for france to have a, a decent coefficient and to have four four teams able to qualify for the champions league and for that you need PSG to have a decent to have a decent set of uh, of results um so I think it's you know there's uh, um, it's uh, it's a good thing and and the uh, bad thing. But to me, uh, Zlatan has not been uh, has not been replaced. Khrushchev has been brought to replace Thiago Motta. He still hasn't played a minute. Mitrilli, um if he, he, he basically uh, hid the fact that he wanted to leave, uh, and not uh, not very uh, not very well uh, from uh, from the media. And uh, Unai had to uh, had. had um, had to had to play, has to play under an immense uh, pressure after that uh, that Monaco game, and he's not really able to uh, to do what um, what he wants as you correctly um, stated uh, stated last week. So uh, no, I think Piaget's squad is uh, actually weaker than uh, last uh, last season. Uh, it's just that uh, Piaget were able to uh, sell David Luiz at the 11th hour, that probably makes it a bit better, but. Uh, that's uh, that's no real consolation. I'm, I'm afraid. It
0: makes anyone's transfer window better. That one,
1: I think, at the end. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about our best and and worst and our favourite moves of the of the summer now. Then for I'll start with you, Eric. So let's go with your favourite move of the summer from from any club.
2: Uh, I think that for me, I probably would go with. Uh, Gabriel Sidibay to Monaco. I think that uh, the, the tactical versatility that allows Leonardo Jardim uh, is, is a big upgrade in that position. It allows Fabinho to play midfield alongside Bakayoko. They've formed a really, really impressive looking partnership thus far. Um, and, you know, he's also able to play further forward when necessary as we saw at the weekend. Um, and I, I think it just offers Monaco, you know, a lot of depth and flexibility that, we saw them struggle with that in terms of injuries last season, and if that does become the case again, uh, having a player who's able to, to operate multiple roles uh, with some degree of success is uh, it's going to be really important, as he can also play left back as well.
0: Philip, do you have a favourite transfer of this window?
1: I like um, uh, Gengol's new uh, new goalkeeper. I think he's uh, he's quite good. I know it's a bit unfancied, uh, but um, i seen we we've seen Gengol a couple of. Um, times already and um, yeah it looks uh, it looks quite uh, quite decent quite uh, an, uh, another quite true um, piece of business by Gangle it's yeah.
0: good it's it's not hard to ask me what my favorite move is and then um, Nicola de preview remaining in Liga is nice but they, they, they've done a sneaky way around it of selling him to ursten and having him on loan to avoid some of the issues with payments while they were waiting for the Bouffard deal to get sorted but We'll skip over that. That was a bit strange, but let's talk about the the worst deals. Then I'll I'll open this to be either you, whoever you think is the worst deal or, or the worst club during this transfer window, Eric. Who who do you think really let us down or or picked a move that wasn't was a little bit odd? Shall we say?
2: Uh, I would have to say not the worst move, but one that I really baffles me is. Uh, Monaco selling Marcel Tisserand. I think that he is mm. a really impressive center back prospect and the money they got for him, uh, I think three and a half million uh, going to Germany. I, I'm i not really sure what, what, what was going on there. I, I think that he, he's definitely one for the future. Obviously, Jemerson and Glick are going to be the first choice and Raji's capable there as well. But I, I think with the, number of fixtures they'd be playing, given given the cup competitions in France as well as the Champions League, uh, he certainly would have had an opportunity to develop and to become one for the future. So uh, I, I think that's, you know, maybe Monaco being a little bit overzealous. I mean, is that $3.5 really going to make or break their season, especially as he'd been sold after they qualify for the Champions League? So knowing they're going to get the money from the, the gates for these group stages, the TV deals, uh, TV money that they're, they're going to get from playing the group stage, it seems a bit unnecessary.
0: Uh Philip, do you have a do you have a villain of the transfer window to say like either a club or a or a player a move that you just can't quite wrap your head around?
1: Yeah, I I'd I'd go for a club. Um and the club would be more purely they sold everyone, they bought no one. And their squad is watertight and they're probably gonna have to do uh, gonna have a very busy January uh window. And so maybe uh, Nicolas, his, uh, his company hasn't uh, had a too, too good a year, and he uh, decided that uh, he didn't want to pay as many footballers as, as he used to last season. Um, so, yeah, they're basically asking for, uh, let's, um, let's do our fans a favor and um, uh, not have any players for half a season. Yeah, I, I mean I'm, it's it's a bit yeah it's uh, especially since uh, you know an is loaded but you know I, I do I do understand that uh, some some football owners uh, lose money every year so I mean I can't really can't really blame them I've, uh, I've never owned a football club but um, it's um, it's a shame it's a shame they had a good they a good uh, had a good, uh, good side and now it's uh, it's it's yeah it's going to be it's, a, it's, it's not be great time. no. I, I think
0: I'll, I'll finish with my disappointing move in the summer, and that's uh, Toulouse deciding that the best way to replace all the goals of Wissam Ben Yedder is to bring in uh, Ola Toyin, who's <laughs> I don't, and it's not scored in England. He's not scored many in France. Um, he's not scored many internationally. Um, he's not going to score many. Is probably the best way to sum that up. But thank God for Martin Braithwaite stepping up. But at least to they've got
1: honest, ben Yedda is hard to replace.
0: Oh yes, side like in Liga. But you're essentially a good, good side. You might as well replace him with a steel rod or a, or a fence, yeah. if you rather mm. than Ola Toivan. Yeah. At least it would be cheaper. Mm. <laughs> but uh, that's all we have time for this week. My thanks to Eric Philip and to all of you listening at home. Join us on Thursday for our preview show, which will be back because the league season is back underway on Saturday. And make sure to tune in again at the same time,
1: same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.